In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel takes place right after the feeding of the 5,000. There's a crowd of people who were fed, who experienced the miraculous multiplication of the fishes and the loaves, and they had their stomachs satisfied, and they were saying, hey, when is the next party going to be? This is really a great thing. I want to see and be a part of this again. Jesus knew that this crowd had followed him because they had had their hunger satisfied. And that's not a bad thing. It is a beginning, but our physical hunger is not the end all and be all of life, is it? So he brought this temporary physical nourishment, but Jesus wanted to let them know that he had come to do something so much more than just satisfy biological need. He came to satisfy not only biological need, but our spiritual need. And in fact, all of those needs are all tied up together. Jesus is claiming, and we believe to be, the very Messiah of God, the King of Israel, the Son and Word made flesh, who brought the divine life into our human life, who brought the divine life into this creation, and who in the divine person joined our human nature, our human flesh and blood, our human mind and will together forever in one person. And those are all of the claims that Jesus is making. I am the bread of heaven. I've come down from heaven to do the Father's will. I know the Father. I've seen the Father. I'm bringing his divine life back into the world. And this life will be poured out on the cross in order that this life could come into our lives and reconnect us to God. That's basically what Jesus is claiming. And this language that we hear as the church, we know as Eucharistic language, right? This is sacramental language of eating his body and blood, of consuming and being participants with the divine life of God. Well, to understand the backdrop of this, I want to make one initial point. And the first point is this. God created the world as a means of communion with himself. God created the world in order that we human beings experiencing all the good things of this world and this creation and this life would go past this world and this life to the author and the creator of it all who is God. This morning as I was driving here I saw a beautiful sunrise and when I saw it, I was struck by it. And I just said, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, because it's so beautiful. I've simply trained myself over time that when I see something beautiful in the creation, I intuitively know and bless God for it, because that's ultimately where it comes from. Now, someone else can drive by that same sunrise and just sort of look up and then put their head back down and maybe think, well, this is... Uh, Atoms and there's a meteorological event that's taking place. Other people will just zip right by and not even see the sunset because they have too many other things that they're doing. 
how we experience this good earth and what connection to God is very, very important. The first point, God created the world so that through the good creation, we would actually have communion with God. When we eat and we taste that wonderful goodness in our mouths, we should bless God for it. When we do most anything, we can bless God for it. In fact, our Jewish ancestors have a blessing prayer for almost everything. You know, blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, for you bring forth bread from the earth to satisfy our souls and bodies. And so I think we, the church, the people of God, need to recover some of this blessing of God for all of creation and all of the good things that we have. The reason that we don't bless God is because of sin. We become blinded, we become short-sighted, we become forgetful, and we begin to operate as if this world is all there is. That this world is in fact an end into itself. There are people that operate that themselves are the end of all things. But somehow, beginning in the Enlightenment and in the modern, the postmodern philosophical uh, underpinnings of our own culture and most of the culture of the West, God was kicked out of the universe a long time ago. Except for kind of religious people who <clears throat> may still allow God to show up at church every now and then, but God really doesn't have anything to do with your daily life or the real world. God is somehow outside of it. Even for Christian people, we can function in the way that it wouldn't make any difference whether God existed or not. I heard a really funny blog the other day by Father Stephen Freeman. He told a story of a neighbor of his, a woman, who did not go to his church but went to another church and she got talked into going to a renewal weekend. She really didn't want to go, but people really pressured her, and she finally went. Well, she came back, and he said for about two or three weeks, she seemed a little different. But after about the third week, they were out in the front yard. She said, Father Stephen, I've just got to talk with you. And he said, what? He says, you know, I went to that renewal weekend, and before then, you know, I went to church, and I knew about Jesus, and we talked about it a little bit at church. But after that renewal weekend, Jesus has just been everywhere, and I'm tired of it. He... He, he's in my kitchen, and I can't cook anymore. And so finally, I got so fed up that I said, Jesus, you get out of my kitchen, and you go back up to heaven on your throne, and you stay there so I can cook. Interesting. She didn't want to experience the good things of the earth in her kitchen and the preparation for the nourishment of herself and others as a means to communion with God. She wanted Jesus back up into heaven somewhere, someplace out of her life. You see the dilemma. It's easy for us to wake up, get something to eat, go to work, come home, get something to eat, and go to bed with never blessing God. Never acknowledging God. Never pursuing God. 
and nothing happens, does it? You don't get zapped, you don't get judged, you don't get wiped out. But what you do is you miss the blessing that Jesus came to give us as the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me, all of the blessings of knowing and loving and relating to God are found in and through me. And if you'll come, you will experience a brand new life. Jesus, in fact, tells us what that life is. Jesus says, if you will believe, you will have eternal life. Eternal life. Now, when people hear that sort of language, they generally think of a life after you're dead, life after death. Or they may think that maybe some sort of correlation to this life that just goes on and on and on. Like we'll be able to play golf in heaven or something like that. But in fact, eternal life has its background in the Hebrew concept of time, which was the present age and then the age to come. And the age to come is the age where God is present. We have a knowledge and experience of God. We are filled with his spirit. All things are put right. We have a, a connection to his love and his goodness and his joy and his shalom. And so the Christian faith, what Jesus came to bring us is a connection with this type of life here and now to some measure before the fulfillment comes when Christ returns and there's the judgment and the fullness of the age to come is unfolded in the resurrection. And so this eternal life is something that we can actually enter into now. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and I just came across this this morning. You know in our catechism it actually defines what the Messiah is. The answer, the question is, what is meant by the Messiah? The answer, this is on page 849 of the Book of Common Prayer. The Messiah is the one who is sent by God to free us from the power of sin so that with the help of God we may live in harmony with God, within ourselves, with our neighbors, and with all creation. Eternal life, in some measure, can be experienced here and now because in Christ we regain the vision to see this world as good, as a means of communion with God, to see other people as our neighbor, beloved children of God, and that this creation is worth taking care of, and it is characterized by love and peace and joy and forgiveness, all the things of the age to come. And if you think about it, this little passage that we have from Paul today mentions almost all of those things. It mentions the primary source of love, God in Christ. It mentions that we are to forgive one another. It mentions that we are to speak truthfully and peacefully with one another. Those are all things that God wants to give us in and through Christ. Well, the original creation was meant to be a means of communion with God. We have fallen away from that 
But Christ has come to restore us into that communion with God and return us to an experience of eternal life here and now and in the future. But how do we enter into that? We enter into that by faith and trust. We have to believe that it's true and we have to act on that belief. So what does that look like? Let's just take a everyday sort of exercise. We would want to see in the creation all the things that are gifts from God. They're not bad things. They're good things. They're given to us. They're just not meant to be eternal things themselves. Only God is eternal. And so all the good things of life can be looked at through a prism. And we see in that prism, finally, God himself or Christ and his presence. Everyday life means everyday prayer. I'm convinced there's no way to live this life without prayer. It's just impossible. We were meant to communicate with God every day, numerous times of day, even all day if you can do that. But prayer is our primary communion and communication with God. And we have to take time to do it. We have to train ourselves to do it. It's something that we're all working on, but it has to be done because if we don't pray, we're basically not opening ourselves up to this eternal life. We're closing the lid and we're just like the lady that wants God and Jesus to be out there somewhere and you call on them in an emergency but you really don't need them most of the other time because you can get along without them. But that's not how life is supposed to be experienced. Well, food. Food is one of my favorite subjects. And I'm sure that it's yours too. And what a blessing it is from God. Who doesn't like good food? But how often have we allowed ourselves to just begin eating away with no reference to God, without blessing God, without thanking God. We get off track when we do that. We, we, we miss experiencing the life eternal. We miss experiencing God's presence because we don't take the time, we don't have the mindset to stop and bless the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But it's very, very important to do that. We were kidding in the last service that now uh, at Carabas, you know, you can just stop and just lower your head. Uh, you can circle up. You can hold hands. Father Elwood promised the next time that he went to Carabas that he was going to stand up and said, Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the King of the universe, who gives forth bread from the earth to make our souls glad. So if you're there, you might see this, but it doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it because that's how we live out this faith. That's how we make the connection with God. God is already there. The problem is that we're not connecting with God. Well, let's think through work. Let's think through our home life. Let's think through our church and our service in the church. Let's think about seeing God not only in the faces 
in this room, but in the faces of the poor and the needy. It is possible to perceive and experience God through all of these different things in your regular, ordinary, day-to-day life if we have the will and the intention to do so and we practice it. And that's called the practice of the sacramental life, the practice of the Christian life, the practice of eternal life here and now. And so today as we come to receive the body and blood of the bread of life, ask God that we would be granted the faith and the will to enter into eternal life and experience God, our neighbor, and the whole creation and all of its goodness. Amen.